Welcome, friends. We're back for another episode of the Rocky River United Methodist Podcast. I'm here with Stephen Young. How's everyone doing? Stephen's the uh, director of our youth ministry here at the church, a uh, much-beloved director, and it's a joy to share this podcast with him. Uh, my name is Paul Bennett, the associate pastor, and uh, welcome to each and every one of you. If uh, we have any folks new with us, uh, welcome, and, and we hope that you find um, the, the next uh, stretch of minutes here meaningful and uplifting for you and informational and probably a few other things, too, that we don't intend, but uh, we hope it's a positive experience. Uh, this is, in fact, our, our last um, episode in this series before we complete the Lenten season and turn the corner uh, and turn the page on Easter and look towards uh, the, the next series that we'll be engaging in. So uh, we'll bring that to you uh, starting next week. And uh, for the moment, though, happy Holy Week. It's good to uh, share this uh, one excerpt from Holy Week with you. And we hope that uh, we're sharing others, whether we know that you're out there with us as you perhaps live stream different services this week or uh, as you as you join us in person for uh, Monday, Thursday, or, or uh, for Easter Sunday, or for the Good Friday uh, prayer vigil or the vigil that continues throughout the weekend. Such a, a special time for us as a church family to... Uh, to, to really hone in on what this season is all about and to seek out some some opportunities for personal growth and transformation and and to do it together uh, which is uh, sacred after last year feeling like we had uh, such a separation and and few opportunities to, to be together in the midst of this so uh, holy week is upon us and uh, wrapping up our series in the final spiritual discipline that we're gonna engage today which I think was appropriately saved for last is uh, that of celebration celebration and uh, once again we're pulling these uh, concepts well the spiritual disciplines themselves are, are straight out of scripture but uh, the author Richard Foster in his book a, a celebration of discipline have inspired us uh, as as far as the different disciplines we've chosen some of the material we presented and uh, he also saved celebration for last as it's uh, almost uh, not just a discipline itself but the product of all the disciplines is uh, celebration as well uh, you'll hear the word joy a lot because in some ways those words uh, show up interchangeably within the content. So uh, without further ado, Stephen's going to introduce us to the discipline of celebration. Yeah, so our final <coughs> discipline is celebration. And uh, just so no one thinks that we're doing celebration at the end just because we're happy that this is over. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's just uh, the last one in the book. And actually, um, I say that too, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but at the end of the book, he does say that celebration is the strength for all the disciplines and kind of um, celebration and joy is the end result of all the disciplines that he mentions in the book from prayer to fasting to um, confession um, and everything that we have to solitude and simplicity, all those that we have talked about, um, joy and celebration is kind of like that end result. Um, of course, the ultimate result is being with Christ, but we, being with Christ is a celebration and a joy. Um, so this kind of, he ends it with this um, discipline, and I, I just think it's wonderful to have this. And also, doing this on Holy Week and on Easter Sunday, and Easter really is a celebration um, for the Christians and for all those who have placed their faith in Christ, because it's 
it's a celebration now and it's also a celebration for the future in which we're going to be with christ and uh, new heavens and new earth and a resurrected body and um, all that stuff sounds can sound real sci-fi-ish um, but it's also very real because jesus really did um, raise from the dead to prove that there is a future a glorious future ahead so um, yeah i'm excited about celebration and what's interesting too is that talking about easter the celebration of jesus resurrection um, also when you look at the beginning of jesus's ministry or actually in, in christmas time as well was actually a celebration so you look at luke chapter 2 verse 10 and it says um if we, i think we all have this part memorized but the angel said to them do not be afraid i bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people Right? So when Jesus first comes on the scene on, on the day of his birth, the angels appear to the shepherds and say, look, we got some great news, this joy, this celebration, the Savior is here. Right, So Jesus enters in with celebration and departs with celebration. It kind of, um, I don't think we focus too much on kind of those, those two bookend events um, of the celebration of the Christian faith. Um, and, and celebration, the joy that it brings, joy is strength, right? Um, I feel like when we have that sense of joy, there's real strength in that. When, when you have a real joy that's rooted in something that is um, not something that's fleeting, because there's a sense of a joy or happiness that can be in... Um, uh, some ice cream or <laughs> joy or happiness in the weekend or joy and happiness in some event and, and and those events the weekends the ice cream all that stuff comes and goes right um, and we don't want to have our, our ultimate joy in those sort of fleeting things we need to have our ultimate joy in something that is concrete something that's real something that's untouchable something that is um, sustainable and that is the resurrection of jesus that is the person of jesus and when we have our joy and our happiness in him um, nothing can take that away from us nothing that we say nothing that we do nothing that the world throws at us nothing that our culture throws at us um, nothing can touch that joy in the celebration that is found in christ and because he's over he's even overcome death so not even death can touch um, the joy that we find in christ of course that does not mean that <laughs> at funerals or the death of someone we don't cry and mourn because we certainly do um you think of jesus mourning at the uh, lazarus death um, you most certainly do but the, at the same time you know that the future ahead is glorious um so we ha there's a different kind of mourning a different kind of sadness that a christian has over those who do not have the faith in christ um, also, he mentions in this book that um, joy is the result from obedience to Christ, and without obedience, joy is hollow. And I want to read this passage, kind of what he, um, in John chapter 15, verses 9 through 12. So um, listen closely to this passage, and you can kind of see um, what is meant by joy is found in obedience. So John chapter 15, verse 9. As the Father has, this is Jesus speaking, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. 
My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Um, so what Jesus is saying here, the command that he gives us is to love one another, to love the Father and to love one another. And when we do that, we fulfill the command that he has for us. And when we do that, our joy is made complete, right? Because Jesus says, I, I told you this so that my joys, right? So Jesus is the, so the source of joy. He says, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So when we have the joy of Christ within us, and when we're living out our life in love, love for our neighbor, love for the Lord, we can have that completeness of joy, that at least at least a taste of that joy that is to come when it comes to, to its fullest in heaven. Um, but this is what it means that obedience brings joy. Because if we're not following Christ, if we're if we're um, if we don't know Christ, right? Um, we can't have that completeness of joy that Christ wants to offer us. Now, I want to say this too, that I know none of us are perfect and all of us are, are broken. Um, but at the same time, we strive for this loving our neighbor and loving the Lord and, and, and having this joy of Christ flowing through us. Because I, I would argue, um, and I've heard other ministers say this, but I would argue um, the evidence that someone knows Christ is by their joy. How, what kind of joy do they have? Now, joy comes in many forms, right? Because I know for myself, and it's probably true for Paul as well, but I'm more of a introvert. <laughs> so my joy is, uh, what should I say? Um, kind of a monotone, like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul, what's what's your joy? What's kind of like? Yeah, well, you're, you're on to something there. Yeah, because uh, like in a, a moment of great elation and victory right. you know some people in the world would be jumping up and down you know what comes to mind and i shouldn't always just share what comes to mind because it usually gets me in trouble <laughs> but I'm, I'm picturing like the price is right have you ever seen the price right. is right yep, yep, <laughs> and like yep. the audience members get called come on down right, you know you, exactly. your, your name your number's been chosen and how they 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 start jumping up and right. down they run down the aisle right. and all the way to the front they give the guy a big hug and they're like i'm <laughs> i'm it i'm the winner so right. that's how everybody acts in that moment if it were right. me I would just be like, I'd crack hands like a slight pockets. smile. Yeah, stick my hands in my pocket, slowly meander my right. way down to the stage and be like, yeah, how you guys doing? This You're is right. pretty swell. And That's then I'd take my spot and just start playing it. So, yeah, some people express yeah. joy uh, right. at like a, a 10. And doesn't mean that, you know, Stephen and I, I think, have the same demeanor in this regard. Doesn't mean that we're not feeling it, but our expression comes off like a 1. Right, right. Yeah, so, yeah, there's it's a joy that um, is expressed differently, um, but it's also, regardless, it's a genuine joy of the heart that comes forth from the heart. Um, but yeah, so so this has been just a really good study um, about celebration and seeing, like I said, the bookends of Jesus' ministry, his life, and joy, the joy that awaits us in the future, and the joy that's kind of the conclusion of all the disciplines and, and what we do. So. Um, I know Paul also has a lot to say about joy that he is happy to share. So Ooh, he's, he's I like got what a great smile on his face now. So Yeah, well, relative to the <laughs> average person's smile, which would be much greater <laughs> now that we've established that concept. Um, yeah, this uh, this topic is uh, one I was interested to get to the whole time. We, we were looking forward to this last week, and 
And uh, what in the world is this book going to say about celebration as a as a discipline, a spiritual discipline? You know, and I, I went into it, I think, thinking about it uh, much like the whole world does, it, um, it, or at least a, an insider's view on this. But the, the world looks at Christians or even just people of faith uh, not necessarily as people of joy and celebration, uh, that, that we're more likely to be stuffy and, and kind of uh, prudish and not very uh, not very jubilant about a whole lot of things and instead you know our, our focus in life is to, to shed all those all those really unhealthy things that would uh, somehow cause us to be happy and excited and uh, you know thrilled about something and and that that's part of who we are is we we're uh, we think we're better than everybody else because we've eliminated all the things that are bad for you that yeah maybe cause you to be happy but um, we're, we're above those things that's the world perception of us I think in in some ways and it makes it all the more important that we all the more important that we understand this concept understand what joy is all about and how to obtain it um, and and it, I think as, as Stephen was hinting at the the byproduct of the Christian life should be joy uh, it, it should happen to some degree automatically when Jesus first entered his his ministry he, he got up there and in, in, in the uh, synagogue and he started reading I think from the, the book of Isaiah he said the the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he went on about how he was gonna set the, the prisoners free recover sight for the blind the, the prisoners and um, the point is that Jesus came to bring good news, which also should mean to bring joy, joy to the world, joy to those who are willing to to receive it. And he's describing what the Christian life is supposed to look like, what the church is supposed to be involved in. So people that are engaged in this type of living and living within the church and God's plan for us, we should be people of joy because we are filled with and we're living out each and every day good news, the good news of, of new life in Jesus Christ. But uh, Fruits of the Spirit, right? Fruits of the Spirit, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's how the world should perceive us, but that's not always the case. So you got to ask yourself, what are we doing wrong? What are we, what are we not understanding here? Which is why this this chapter I thought was so important. Um, and and so he got he Foster dug into it a bit, and some of the things he talked about. One, we we can't manufacture joy. Um, it has to be uh, a product of our Christian life. We can't skip the hard work and say, I'm going to be a, a joyful person because, as Stephen was saying, it comes off hollow and it comes off uh, superficial. It's not legit. We can experience happiness. We can experience pleasure. We can express that in different ways. Uh, but but feeling and, and being full of uh, joy in our hearts is is uh, presents itself very differently than just being a, a happy person or a, a laid back person. Our our goal is joy. It's not uh, pleasure and uh, shallow happiness. So you can't you can't force it, and that's uh, seen in, in a lot of people who are trying to dabble in Christianity and they're bouncing maybe from church to church, looking for a church that will help them experience joy. You walk in your, your first day visiting a church and you want uh, the, the band and the pastor and, and the, the, the greeters and the, all the uh, hospitality folks and, and the, the, the colors and the, the decorations. You want all of it to make you feel good about yourself and make you feel good about where you're at, right? So these people 
bounce from church to church looking for a, a church that will help them feel joy, help them feel uh, rewarded for their, their experience. And the reality is we're, we're trying to cut out the, the hard work. We're trying to find a church that will spoon feed us joy when the reality is joy is, is what we manufacture in ourselves by the work that we put in Monday through Saturday. It's not what the church spoon feeds us on Sunday morning that somehow is supposed to sustain us through the week. And uh, I think a, a lot of people get that backwards. So he talks in the chapter also about how um, how joy is uh, supposed to be a, a product of the Christian life and how it would seem so contrary because uh, life is full of anxiety. Life is full of uh, stress and, and uh, worries and how Paul in, in uh, his letters uh, tells us that uh, our goal in life is to to not be worried or not care, not you know, be uh, have an absence of care and concern about everything in life. How Jesus comes along in His ministry and says, uh, "Don't be anxious about anything. What you're going to eat tomorrow, what you're going to wear, all this stuff." Um, but the reality is, we live in in a world that preaches the opposite of that, and we're immersed in a society that preaches the opposite of that day in and day out. Uh, so we're not going to experience and, and find and, and live into joy um, by shedding the anxieties of the world. Uh, we, we Once again, we're trying to skip the hard part. The reality is we experience joy because we first surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. We place our trust in him. And because of that, then we can shed the anxieties of the world or at least confront them with a, a little bit more trust, a little bit more faith, and they become smaller mountains uh, for us to ascend. The, the troubles that we face are less significant. Um, the, the trials that we go through uh, maybe don't knock us back quite as far as they, they otherwise would. And uh, so it all begins with obedience to, to, to Jesus, trusting in Jesus. Uh, but here's another piece. This is maybe the thing that struck me the most in this whole chapter, and I, I felt convicted by it. So my whole ministry, my whole life, I think, revolves around, like I'm a broken record more often than not. I just want to tell people to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. How can I inspire you to seek Jesus all the time in new ways and in more meaningful ways. That's, that's like the, uh, the calling card of my ministry. And I read this chapter, and it was, it was basically uh, saying that, that when it comes to joy, that alone may not necessarily get you there. And in my mind, I thought, you know, my entire life, I was like, well, that's that's the secret to everything, right? You know, more time in prayer, more time in, in Scripture, more time with these other disciplines, and, and you can draw close to Christ, and all your troubles will melt away. What joy, what sets joy apart is that, uh, yes, you will experience some, some innate joy just by being close to Christ, but we still have to be intentional about, uh, about stirring up that joy within us. And that's why I think so many people get it, uh, fall short of it, because they think that, um, that whatever they're <laughs> feeling is, uh, is the, the peak, it's the pinnacle of what joy is supposed to feel like, and, and they're living into their faith, and uh, they feel like they've arrived, but the, the world looks at them and says, man, these people are stuffy, they, they're, uh, they're, they're not really enjoying life, uh, The kind of that holier-than-thou uh, title gets attached to us, and it's because I think we've fallen short of that next step of um, truly seeking joy and being intentional about stirring up joy in our lives. And that's a lot of what Foster talks about moving into the next section is how do we make sure 
that uh, we're intentional about it? How do we uh, go about not just setting ourselves up to receive the gift of joy from Jesus, but then actually opening it up and putting it on and going out and dancing around and showing the world that we actually have and, and know this concept of joy, which I, I know is something Stephen enjoys, you know, just dancing around and showing people his joy. <laughs> no, uh, no, no okay. I cannot dance. Uh, so we're back at that concept of our, our <laughs> repressed uh, joy. But didn't but, you used to sing and dance in high school, right? And Is sing and right? dance in high school. I'm That's not sure what you you're did. talking about. <laughs> oh now he forgets, right? I, yeah, I guess I must have <laughs> forgotten. It's working so hard on being joyful. Everything else just kind of slips out the other side right, right. of my memory. <laughs> But uh, we have some more stuff here from Foster about uh, the the uh, benefits of joy and, and celebration, the how-to. Uh, Stephen, you want to you want me to roll right into that, or you got uh, more more uh, general comments for us? No, I, I think I agree with everything that you're saying. I, I yeah, I think definitely. And I, as I mentioned before, um, when it comes to as you mentioned, fruits of the spirit. When it comes to fruits of the spirit is. What that whole concept is, is like if we have the Spirit of Christ in us, these are the fruits we're going to be producing. For like, it's the illustration of if we're a tree, these are the fruits we're going to be producing. So like a Christian life is going to produce the fruits of the Spirit, and one of them is joy. Um, like I said earlier, joy um, within the Christian life is evidence of someone um, knowing Christ. And again, like I always want to... Um, say too like there is a joy that isn't found in christ but it's circumstantial doesn't last long it lasts a few months a week or whatever but the joy that we found in christ can really last long um and again like i said too that there's still time for mourning and sadness and and we don't he also foster also mentions in the book um that scripture tells us to be thankful even in the midst of struggles but scripture never says celebrate the presence of evil right there's there's no we don't celebrate evil. We celebrate what is good. We celebrate what the goodness that is to come. Um, but we don't celebrate the presence of evil. Um, and really the evil around us is is what steals the joy away from us. Um, so, But yeah, keeping that in mind, um, that in the midst of struggle, we can have joy, but we don't celebrate the evil itself. Mm. So how do you discern between the two? That's the question. Right. Like, uh, yeah, because some things yeah. in life feel we we they right. they excite right. us. They they get right. us maybe to the point where we're feeling a, a thrill or feeling something that is is fun and enjoyable. We call right. it enjoyable, but maybe it's not necessarily healthy for us. Right. So, right. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, yeah, that's what's true. All the the things that can bring quote unquote joy. I know it can be super fleeting or and not really good for us. It can be almost kind of a, the quote-unquote joy is something that is blinding us to the reality that we're actually hurting ourselves, right? So right. that um, you can, <laughs> for example, someone who's addicted to drugs, so like I'm, I'm having joy at this moment, but the drug is killing them. So is that real joy, right? Um, so there's circumstances like that in life where there's quote-unquote joy, but it's not a sustainable joy, and it's really bringing hurt and pain. Where in the Christian faith, we actually have a pure, pure joy, right, and a, and a joy that's proven, um, and a joy that will be in the future, a joy that doesn't bring hurt and pain, but a joy that brings healing and satisfaction and fulfillment and relaxation and, and hope. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, the key has to be keeping Christ as our focus. Right. Christ is the end, uh, right. and that's 
that's what these uh, spiritual disciplines help us do right. is keep Christ as, as the focus, the objective in, in life. And what that allows us to do is keep the, the blinders off. I think with Christ as our focus, then we're, we're seeing Christ in, in things that may feel enjoyable to us. If our eyes are trained on Christ, we'll, we'll be able to tell, well, that doesn't really line up. That's, that's not between me and Christ. That's off to the side somewhere. That's in my right. periphery. It's, it's not on the path I'm supposed to be treading. It doesn't feel right. Uh, but if we take our eyes off of Christ and start looking around at the world and lose our focus, then we can we can uh, be tricked into to right. seeing things that uh, maybe could be enjoyable and uh, and and they're not necessarily what, what Christ would want for us. Right. Or we can, uh, things that maybe to some extent can be um, sources of joy, can, we, can, uh, we can delve into with, with too much excess right. or in an unhealthy way or, or manner. Uh, yeah, it can, get, it can get messy. And I think, too, going along with that thought is that um, in our society, we live so much based off our feelings that it's like our feelings above all else, you know, it's like do whatever makes you happy, whatever your heart feels, whatever joy, like, and, and we allow our feelings to dictate everything that we do. Um, and, and that's not the joy. I would say the definition of joy in scripture, it's, it's, you have joy because of this concrete reality of Christ and the resurrection and the hope he brings. Um, that's how our joy is sustainable. Where if you go the other way, where you're just seeking joy in all the places, any place that you're not really giving any critical thought to, you're not being discernment, discerned about it, um, and you're just like, I'm just going to do whatever I want to find joy, that's when you run into danger and you're just completely throwing off the guardrails and willing to do whatever it takes to find Right, like our society, like our constitute pursuit of happiness, like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and you do whatever it takes just to pursue happiness, regardless of what it costs. Um, you're going to pay a heavy cost because there there are costs to happiness that is destructive and and can really ruin our lives. Whereas mm -hmm. in Christ, we have a joy that, as I said earlier, sustains us, renews us, brings hope, brings life, is constant. And it's something that can weather the storms, right? I think, I, I mean, some of us may know Christians. I know of several Christians who their life, you, you listen and you hear throughout their life, and you're like, oh, my goodness. But, yeah, but yet they have this joy and this smile. And, you, and I'm sitting there dumbfounded, and I'm like, how in the world are you joyful in the midst of, of this struggle, right? For example, a biblical example is in Paul and Silas are singing in the prisons, and they had just been flogged and beaten, and Paul and Silas are in the prisons in shackles, and they're singing. You know, like, <laughs> it's like, what in the world is going on, right? It's like, you've just been beaten near to death, you've been flogged, flogging was extremely violent, and they're in the prisons in shackles, and they're singing to God. Like, that makes no sense. That's that's that otherworldly, that spiritual power that we have in Christ, that we can have joy even in the midst of those unfathomable struggles, right? And that that's something that all, you can only find in Christ. But yeah, and, and you're hitting on one of the benefits of uh, celebration that Foster points out, and that's the the uh, fact that celebration gives us a healthier perspective on life. Right. 
It allows us to to not take ourselves or the circumstances right. that we're facing too seriously. <laughs> right. And uh, I think Paul and Silas took that to the extreme, maybe. And that's a, and really in this case, the extreme is a healthy extreme. That's that's the goal that we're we're trying to right. uh, strive for is to the point where we can. Uh, face whatever circumstance life throws at us, and because our eyes are on Christ and we have an eternal perspective uh, on the, the circumstances of our life and the world around us, we can feel joy. We can be singing uh, show tunes in, in prison, right, and and uh, still feel yes. that joy and uh, feel the presence of Christ and the hope of Christ uh, carrying us through. So uh, when things happen to us, you know, there's so many people in this world, and and many Christians are amongst them because we don't we haven't got it all figured out. And, and I'm amongst them at times. With so these little things happen, relatively little things, and we get so worked up about them. Is and and the hope it would be that this is one of the ways that Christians can can distinguish ourselves, and not just to puff ourselves up, but to witness to the the, the uh, work of God within us. Uh, that people would see us in, endure things, go through things, and the struggles of life, uh, even if we're working through them and, and it's difficult on the inside, on, on the outside, it looks like they roll right off our back, right? Because we push on and, and we have just we have enough joy within us that we can press on. We can be a, a powerful witness in a, a difficult time. And to some extent, maybe we're not quite where Paul and Silas were, but right. we're at right. least uh, on that on that plane. Right. And uh, people can see us and see that we're different. And, and want uh, a little bit of that right. for themselves. Um, another benefit of celebration, Foster points out, is uh, celebration frees us from a, a judgmental spirit. Mm. If, if you don't want to worry about yeah judging other people, then take on this perspective that helps us to take ourselves less seriously. And then, and then really what, it gets confusing, but uh, I think what the point is is if if life isn't as heavy, if we have that joy and that joy is really uh, prominent in our lives, then we don't have the need to go around and, and uh, puff ourselves up and, and put on a show for people, act like we're somebody that we're not or we're better than we are. Uh, we can have a realistic view of ourselves and our brokenness and our flaws. And, uh, and then we can go out into the world and we don't have a need to put others down and, and uh, notice the, the uh, speck in somebody else's eye at the, uh, you know, at the neglect of the plank in our own uh, because we have a realistic view of ourselves. Uh, that healthier perspective on ourselves and on life uh, comes from this, this sense of joy that uh, overtakes us if we truly trust in, in Jesus and uh, seek it out. And finally, uh, Foster points out that joy, he says, joy begets joy. Joy is contagious. And uh, as I say this, I'm sure you can bring to mind people in your life who have the joy of the Lord. And because they do, you'll want to be around them. And you want that that spirit of optimism that they have. Uh, you want to, you know, who wouldn't want to hang out with uh, Paul and Silas, right? <laughs> like, uh, I'm sure there were times, plenty of times where they were serious and and uh, we're, we're worn down by life, but uh, people that can sit in a prison cell and, and sing praises to God, uh, who wouldn't want to be around that and who wouldn't be uplifted and encouraged uh, by that attitude? 
gratitude and that's why joy has to be a communal uh, experience because we share it amongst ourselves it's uh in our what's what's the corporate is it is that where this one falls steve yeah, corporate yeah. corporate discipline uh because we 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 share it we we rub off on others with our, our joy and then it, it builds overflows in them into the people that they encounter and it, it passes on and on and on uh, but it's it's also a discipline and this is one of the things that caught me off guard most about celebration is that it is a, a discipline uh, it's not just something that happens naturally. We do have to seek it out. We have to be intentional. And that's why Foster closes his chapter with some some tips, some pointers on how to uh, seek and experience uh, celebration. So here's what I have. And Stephen, feel free to jump in if you have thoughts on these. First, he mentions how uh, you know celebration in a, a secular sense versus secular or, or a celebration in a, a, a Christian sense. Celebration in a secular sense and, and fill in a blank with all the different things that you use to entertain yourself with and, and that you consider um, uh, joyful in, a, a, in the secular world that we see as joyful in the secular world. He says those, those forms of celebration have become so mechanized in, in the modern world that they, uh, the experience of, of them is, is artificial. It's, it's, uh, he uses the word plastic. It's like a plastic experience. And uh, I think all of us, and to some extent, we dabble in worldly forms of celebration because we're, we're in this society, so we, we partake in this society. And I, I watch movies, I, I play video games, I, you know, I, I'm into sports, I go to concerts on occasion, I uh, play a little fantasy sports here and there, and it's uh, and, and I do, you know, I, I get uh, happiness from them. I, I find these things uh, pleasurable, uh, but it's not the same, and I, and I hope. Uh, that you know what I'm saying. I hope you have that same experience. That these these uh, outlets are not the same. You don't get the same type of joy. In fact, uh, that's the reason why he, we use the word joy uh, for the things we experience within a Christian sense. And and I intentionally try and find a different term to apply it to these other things because uh, these other things maybe um, allow us to feel uh, pleasure for a period of time, but it's always superficial. It's it's always hollow. And I think the the uh, general uh, trait that ties them all together in my experience has been that they seem to be escapes. Uh, they, they don't draw you closer to yourself and, and the realities of the world and uh, connection with Christ. They are escapes from um, from the the uh, unpleasant things in life, these are ways to get away from it all, right? And and just uh, disconnect from life. And so they they may make you feel pleasure uh, because you're able to forget some of the deeper things in life and uh, maybe even feel numb uh, for a, a period in time. But to me, true joy doesn't come from escaping. It comes from engaging our inner self, engaging whatever God is trying to do in us and through us in the world. And so that's why, you know, true joy, it comes from, from drawing near to God and, and near to who we are instead of trying to push away from those things and, and just escape and get away from them for a period. here too, because I, I think, and I also want to make sure that we, that we don't sound too legalistic, that it's like hmm. you need to be finding your joy in the Bible and reading the Bible all day long. No. Um, I think, too, certainly there's nothing wrong um, with finding joy in the things that Paul just mentioned, ball games and movies and 
doing whatever other activities. I mean, I find joy in a lot of different activities. It's just that I think there's also, we need to be aware of the danger of, um, especially in our society that's so happy focused, um, there's a danger of making our joys our idols. Um, so the things that are, that we find joyful become an idol and we, and we have to have that moment. We have to have our television show. We have to have that Starbucks we have mm. to have, right? That Dunkin' Donuts. Those, those things that become our, become beyond what they were meant to be and, and, and they become our, really our driving force for our joy, right? It's, it's almost like I don't have happiness until I have this or that or my joy. I, I just can't feel joy or completeness until I have this or that, right? So there's always the danger of making those things that bring us joy making them our ultimate joy but when you put those things that give us joy in context with the joy we have in christ the happiness in having christ i would argue that we can experience those things more fully right when we have our joys in the right order right when we when christ is the root when christ is the reason when christ is our life and we get our joy from that source we don't have to have those other things be the ultimate source of joy. We can actually enjoy them for what they are, right? And and, and just take it in without the feeling of making them an idol because we already have a truer sense of joy. Um, and, I, and I realize this <laughs> This makes me think of, um, I, I follow sports a lot. And there's many times when I'm following sports and your team's in the playoffs and they get crushed. And, and then there's, <laughs> right after the game's over, I always ask myself, why do I even watch sports? Because I get so <laughs> I get so upset, and 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 for me it's kind of like that that uh, canary in the coal mine sort of thing, giving me the warning like, hey, I'm just putting too much of my joy and investment in this team. Like I'm putting too too much of my joy and investment in this sport. Like I need to step back and give give some space because right now I, I should not be feeling like this this huge like oh life is over now because my team lost it's like it's a game okay it's a game right um and i think it's good to have those reminders in life that even if i don't get this thing that i truly wanted my true social joy is in jesus still so um but yeah keeping that in mind I have not heard the can, uh, canary in a coal mine. That's yeah, a new you, one to do you me. Know what that means? I have no idea what oh, that means. So, so in the coal mines, there, sometimes there would be pockets of uh, poisonous air, and then the canary would hear and start. Well, a canary, if it fell down dead, they would oh, say the air is bad, so you better get out of there. Wow, yeah. and you're advocating for this? Is no, it? <laughs> I'm saying that. <laughs> yes, I'm advocating that. No. But that's how it used to be. If and if that's a hey, that's our first listener. Um, was it listener post? <laughs> so uh, we want you to send Paul all these emails about canaries in a coal mine, how they were used. Okay. If, if you have listened this far, I'm up for an, an educational <laughs> right, uh, experience educated. here. I right. didn't know how valuable canaries were. I yeah, need to they, start keeping them on me, I guess, in case right. I come across any poisonous. Right. Air. So if the air was poisonous, the canary would die, and the miners would be like, "Oh shoot!" Because some air, some times you couldn't smell the poisonous air. So. Oh. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that would go over too well with the animal rights <laughs> right, uh, agencies. Exactly. Uh, they, I bet they right. don't use that anymore. No, but yeah, uh, probably not. But we, we digress, I guess. <laughs> but uh, that's interesting. No, I, I, I completely understand your um, your little uh, t- 
tangent there, and and I think uh, to me the the image that always comes back to me is the whole uh, putting rocks in a in a glass jar or whatever, and and you put the biggest ones in in place first, and then uh, by doing it in that order, the smaller ones, and then the the grains of sand at the end can all fit better because yeah. you've um, you've established your priorities and and you have those true sources of, of joy cemented and, and firmly placed in your life, and then uh, you have room, uh, generally speaking, for for outlets uh, of things that are maybe be less uh, have less eternal value uh, but right. can still be pleasurable nonetheless. I, I know how much you cry after the steel is released on this you know i let you talk <laughs> i let you talk and, and make all these implications <laughs> about your sports teams and your 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 obsession with them and how devastating it is and i didn't make a single reference to the super bowl this year oh yeah yeah i forgot about that yeah that's yeah, convenient that's but now you have to pull in so I think we're in the same boat here, right, Stephen. Yeah. yeah, I hate to say it. Uh, laughter, ironically, is the next thing on Foster's yeah, list. Yeah. Uh, laugh, laughter is the, the world's best medicine, and uh, he he says it's it's true. I agree. And uh, he, he even gave a story about a, a gentleman who was hospitalized battling cancer and how uh, his his way of um, just keeping himself from being overwhelmed and depressed with the circumstances was to ask uh, the um, you know the, the nursing assistant or somebody to bring in all these videos of uh, old Marx Brothers um, you know skits and and just laugh his head off and and it actually had a, a medical benefit for him in the long term. Um, but laughter, when it's done in a, a pure and healthy sense, is uh, is invaluable. Um, laughing with with uh, friends as we play games together, laughing with my kids. Uh, there's nothing better than that laughing uh, when we try to record our podcast every week. And yeah, you know, how many uh, how many retakes do we have to? Yeah. You know, people don't right. aren't supposed to know about that, but right. Uh, <laughs> right. all the times we try and start start things off yeah. in like 30 seconds in. And we break into laughter. Yeah. I have to start all over. Right. That I'm, never I'm happens. On point, and then pause. Oh, <laughs> Here we go. Here we go again. <laughs> well, uh, who are your some of your favorite? Um, what are the things that uh, make you laugh? Like uh, shows or or uh, comedians? Um, Anybody come to mind, Stephen? Yeah, um, that's funny you say that. But yeah, I, I after reading this in the book, I there's a comedian um, that I would encourage anyone to look up, Jim Gaffigan. Um, no, is it Jim Gaffigan? Yeah, Jim Gaffigan. Um, he is really funny. Um, he, uh, so yeah, I used to listen to him in the past, but when I was reading the book, I just went back to some of his old skits, and yeah, I think it's really good to laugh, at it, and I think laughing at yourself is really good to do because it humbles you and <laughs> realize that you're you're not perfect, but also just as Paul had said too, just kind of. Helps you relax, helps you um, not take life so serious. Um, and, and I do think, so I want to point to, like, um, I think of something like The Chosen, which was a series about Jesus and, and the disciples and stuff. And in that show, they showed Jesus, they showed Jesus laughing quite a bit. Um, and I just think that's such a wonderful truth, really, that Jesus wasn't this pent-up, serious, religious guy just spouting verses all day right he's like he was a real guy who laughed and celebrated and um he i think he made people laugh i think he probably told jokes i mean 
it'd be wonderful to interview the disciples and they'd be like, yeah, Jesus pulled this prank on me or <laughs> yeah, Jesus was one of the funniest guys out of the 12 of us. But yeah, I just think, um, yeah, I, I think that it's just real. And, and I think really too, when I was in seminary, a lot of Old Testament professors would say like this, this point in this passage is actually humor that we don't really see nowadays, right? I mean, our humor is different than Old Testament humor. Um, but you would have, uh, I would have professors say, yeah, this is this is humor here. And, and you will find humor throughout the scriptures. And some of even Jesus' stories, I mean, think of the camel through uh, eye, the camel going through the eye of a needle. Like, that's sarcasm there, right? So mm. I, think, I think that exists. It's just always kind of hard to find, but, you know. But yeah, Jim Gaffigan's probably one I really brings a little laughter in. okay and then yours is probably monty python the holy <laughs> grail is that, is that it you're struggling with the name <laughs> is it? i thought you were, were well familiar with it nope, nope. i i yeah i do enjoy that right. that movie that that's my type of humor uh take it or leave it that's that's who i am no i i like uh I, I honestly I, I struggle with uh, modern um, you know attempts at humor I, I go back to a lot of the old stuff like I was brought up watching Little Rascals and Three Stooges and uh, I think my favorite comedy duo of all time is Laurel and, and Hardy um, if you haven't watched any of their stuff <laughs> check it out I was a big Chris Farley fan in the, the 90s um, he's just a, a goofy guy and uh, we, we even started, uh, this would probably be a little risque to mention on air, but uh, I got my kids watching The Cosby Show. And I know that um, I struggled with, uh, do, I, do I introduce them? And, and I thought to myself, well, um, I'm, I'm introducing them to a, a character uh, on a show and, and the skit and, and the presentation of this family and their life together. And to me, it's a, it's a very beautiful and, and clean and, and healthy and, and funny experience. And so I, I decided to introduce them to the Cosby show. And it's a lot of uh, clean humor in the show itself that my kids are, are uh, getting a, a lot of joy out of. So <laughs> for, right. for whatever it's worth. So, um, so many sources for laughter out there and, and laughing at ourselves uh, is probably the most important uh, quality to, to be able to possess. Uh, other things Foster mentions, we'll, we'll skim through real quick. He says, uh, accent the creative, creative gifts of fantasy and imagination. So don't get so old and stuffy and proud that you can't play uh, can't play games, can't play like some of the fantasy games that we played as kids. Uh, I love uh, sitting down playing Legos <laughs> with, with my kids. Uh, read a good fantasy book, watch a, watch a kid's movie, uh, sit down and watch a Disney or Pixar movie. Uh, there's some good clean fun in those. Um, and his, uh, his quote in that section, he said, only those who are insecure about their own maturity will fear such a delightful form of celebration. I think it's so true. Enjoy the gifts and, and imagination of those around us. So uh, create ways for your, your family, your friends to share, to share their talents. Uh, you know, hold a talent show in your house. Have everybody create a, a work of art somehow. Uh, play music together. Sing together. Um, he says, make sure family get-togethers are, are truly 
times of celebration and thanksgiving so don't make your family thanksgiving a time for everybody to come and and sit down we'll go with easter since it's uh, a week away don't just get together and sit and stare at each other and and uh you know pass three hours and and not actually talk or not actually laugh or you know create ways even if you have to implement new traditions or or dig into topics you normally wouldn't uh, actually have fun and enjoy each other celebrate uh, create moments in life to celebrate accomplishments uh when my my kids uh work hard at their um grades and and it, it's reflected in their report cards we we celebrate with them uh my my daughter's uh, trying to work on organization when she fills out her school planner every day for a week straight she gets uh, free ice cream so uh little ways we work in celebration to our day-to-day life and uh, did you read the section on the book Stephen? the thing called the feast of fools this event uh, that was held in the, the middle ages the last thing i think he mentions in the the chapter um, it was this tradition in the middle ages every year they would hold this feast where all of the quote-unquote sacred cows of society would all of a sudden for these couple of days be safe uh, to, to laugh at and mock in, in the public uh, forum. So uh, the, the king, you could sit there and, and ridicule the king right to his face <laughs> and laugh at him. Or, you know, different uh, trends in, in society, like uh, look at you all with your you know cell phones walking into water fountains and, and into right. parked cars and stuff. I mean, like you could mock people and laugh at them just to... Could you please stop talking about me like that? <laughs> <laughs> Which one was you, the king or the, or the water fountain? Uh, no, I've never fallen in a water fountain with my phone. No? Nope. No. What have you fallen into? Because I think you're leaving something <laughs> out here. <laughs> I don't think I've fallen into anything. Fallen into unhealthy habits. Yeah. yeah. Oh, on walks, maybe. In the metro parks, <laughs> I might step into a lot of mud and yeah. regret it a lot. Well, you should bring your parakeet with you oh and gosh. then send them out ahead. If you're going to use them for one thing, you right, might as well use right. them for another oh to warn you of upcoming yeah. obstacles. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a parakeet? I want to get one. Here you get my wife. I'm trying to get her to get one. There's our, our homework for the week. Everybody reach out to Emily. Yes. Stephen wants a parakeet, and it could very well save his life <laughs> if he ever becomes a minor. Right. And this isn't really a tangent because I've shared everything I had to share. It's a canary. Oh, canary. I got my birds mixed up. All right. So as we close, I wanted to end with a few jokes. Didn't we already do that? No. Oh, okay. What is fast, loud, and crunchy? Steven. A rocket chip. Like a rocket chip. Oh, yeah. Rocket chip. Okay. All right. Why did the teddy bear say no to dessert? Am I supposed to guess? Because she was stuffed. Get it, get oh, yeah. yeah. All right, we'll do one more because Paul, Paul is not good at these dad jokes. <laughs> what did the left eye say to the right eye? Uh, give it to me. Between us, something smells. <laughs> that that one was a doozy. I oh, like yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah. If you have made it this far in the podcast, thank you so much for listening to those jokes. Send all your dad jokes to Paul on the email. You'll love to get them and smile. And we'll share them uh, on a podcast. (laughs) Right. Because Stephen's bound to run out of material eventually. (laughs) Right. All right. So, um, yeah, thank you for everyone who's been listening uh, to the podcast. We want to thank everyone again for your encouragement and your support and your kind words. Um, We have all three services now, 8, 10, 1130. 
Um, we hope you can join us for Easter and for the celebration of new life in Christ and the new life that is to come in the future and Christ's return. Um, and yeah, so thank you so much for watching watching <laughs> i guess you're not watching this. one Thank last you so joke much for <laughs> for listening to this and we'll talk to you again next week bye